Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. My 30-year career, if you will, we've systematically been improving border security uh, using barriers, personnel, technology, and policy to try to get control of the southwest border. And what we mean by that is just make sure everybody comes through our front door, the ports of entry, and they're not sneaking through in between the ports of entry. So there's, there's been ebbs and flows, uh, but the last administration, the focus on the border wall, focus on a lot of policies, closing loopholes in the asylum process, those were all reversed on January 20th. Uh, so when those policies were changed, the border wall construction was shut down, uh, we saw an influx of illegal immigration into this country that we really have never seen before. What that equated to last year, about 1.9 million uh, illegal aliens came to the border, were encountered by CBP, and like 1.6 million were between the ports of entry by Border Patrol. That just overwhelms the resources. For example, last week, I believe, or maybe this last Tuesday, there were over 5,000 illegal uh, aliens apprehended on the southwest border in between the ports of entry by Border Patrol. That overwhelms their resources, and then what that means is Border Patrol agents are busy, and that leaves huge gaps in border security. The cartels have figured out how to leverage that, and then they bring in the narcotics, uh, the criminal aliens, or people that are being trafficked, if you will, people that you that don't they don't want encountering law enforcement. They bring them through those huge gaps, and that's a huge threat, and it's getting worse every day. Welcome to Stand Up for the Truth, friends. We have a, a human trafficking survivor on our podcast now, and before we get to her. Uh, we're going to just talk about some headlines. What's coming up? Why did we open with that clip? Because a lot of people, Christians included, don't seem to think that protecting our southern border is important. Um, well, what does it affect? A lot of things, of course, our economy and um, just our tax dollars. It affects uh, children. It affects families. Um, it affects lives. And the drug cartels are prospering. And why don't we think that's such a big deal? Why don't we think that's a biblical issue or an issue we need to address? Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, it all relates to human trafficking because so much happens down at that southern border. But we're also in the second half of the podcast today. Later on, we've got to tackle some issues. We are being bombarded. The culture is being saturated by LGBTQ pride propaganda. You know by what what corporations are putting out there. You know by television and social media and other ads and and uh, what Hollywood is promoting. You know what businesses promote it and what ones do not. So we encourage you to boycott and we encourage you to boycott. Support companies that are not going woke and that are not all in for the agenda. Um, we are also going to talk about some of these stories later on in the podcast which relate to human trafficking and the sexual promiscuity and perversion that's being rampant in our culture. What about this one? This is over in Oregon, where our guest today is from. Well, in fact, we'll probably get her comment on this. Um, Oregon Governor Kate Brown is, um, a law was just signed called Menstrual Equity. What are they doing? They're putting, um, how can you describe this in a, in a way that's, that's, that's sane? Uh, <laughs> They're putting tampon dispensers in boys' bathrooms. All right? 
Yes, it's a period of confusion, play on words. Next, over at the U.S. Embassy to the Vatican, they're flying the rainbow flag for Pride Month. I would think Catholics would be against that. Um, also, uh, Biden's Title IX rewrite. It's an assault on women's rights. But we don't see much of an outcry about that. How about Christian universities? How are they handling all this? Well, over at uh, Baylor University, now understand, it's Catholic, I believe. Uh, it's officially charted its first LGBTQ student organization. They are allowing the first uh, homosexual promoting group, student group, in the, the college's 177-year history. First time. A, quote, Christian institution. Um, these are some things we have to talk about. The anarchic philosophy behind LGBTQ plus Pride Month. We're going to talk about that later in the podcast. But right now, a very important issue to kick things off that will lead into that, because it's all related. We're going to talk about the transgender timeline as well and when it started. You're not going to believe it. It goes back to the 1950s, even beyond that. But our guest today, we're so excited to have with us Andy Berger, A-N-D-I, Berger. She wrote the book called A Fragile Thread of Hope. She's an author, trafficking survivor, founder of Voices Against Trafficking, and Beulah's Place. Now, the book is about the true story of her journey to healing and personal triumph, her determination to rescue others from trafficking, like herself. She was in it. And her desire to give all victims of sexual predators a genuine Voice. Human trafficking in the U.S. is a $13 billion per year criminal endeavor with worldwide tentacles. In America, it's alarming the number of young people that are targeted by human traffickers dealing with child prostitution, pedophilia, sexual slavery, and pornography. Uh, we'll talk about the illegal drug trade and more with Andy Berger. Andy, thank you for waking up early with us this morning, and welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. <laughs> You are very welcome. It's an honor to be on here, David. Thanks so much. Oh, it's really a blessing because we don't hear enough about this topic, Andy. And before we get into your book and your journey, what is your thought on Oregon's governor who uh, is going all in with the woke crowd and, and the sexual confusion and moral relativism, putting tampon dispensers in boys' bathrooms. Just your thoughts on what's happening in your woke state. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, my personal opinion, of course, is that uh, this is just another example of dividing and segregating a certain group, you know, to give them influence. I, I'm not even sure what to say about that because uh, there's so many other issues that need to be Address and putting tampons in a boy's bathroom. I, to me, that's not logical. I get what uh, this governor is is after and what she's trying to do. But uh, what about the other needs of of kids? The other kinds of things they need: mental health resources, you know, uh, shelters for victims of trafficking, all that kind of stuff. And yet, uh, she appears to be focused only on this one social group. And so, uh, that should be a private or personal purchase, I believe. Uh, that's how I grew up, and I think that that's very much overstepping uh, boundaries, and you're, in my opinion. Yeah, you're in Central Oregon. I think most of our listeners obviously would uh, understand because on the, the, I almost said left coast, <laughs> on the west coast, <laughs> um, but that's, that's what we've come to expect from California, Oregon, and Washington. 
And it's sad that we've, we've got uh, these divides, per, on purpose by the enemy, by the way, to divide people, yes. people into groups and uh, pit Americans against one another. Um, but I want to hear about your story, and our listeners are going, wait a minute, you survived human trafficking, sex trafficking. Um, so could you share uh, just the sure. whatever relevant bullet points of your story to introduce you and your background, what you went through to our audience here? Absolutely. So before there was a term called human trafficking, before as a country culture, we were even talking about child abuse, basically, I was trafficked by all immediate family members and a couple extended family members. Uh, the abuse and the torture and all of that started from six months old to 17 years old. And by the time I was five years old, it was so bad. I just wanted to be dead. Uh, my birth mother told me she could take me out anytime she wanted. Mm. And I thought I would beat her to the punch, David. And so I went to the curb of my house waiting for a car to be coming by fast enough at age five so I could jump in front of it. Wow. And that's where in my life God met me mm. as I was waiting uh, on my street where normally there'd be a lot of cars and that day there weren't. I looked into the sky and I thought, you know, this is such a huge sky, so big, so blue. Uh, did somebody make it? You know, is there somebody bigger than the people hurting me? And in that moment, I heard God's voice in my heart say, this is not the plan I have for you. Suicide is not the answer. So I went back up to my garage and I leaned against it. And I just looked into that sky and I said, if you keep me alive, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Mm. And it definitely was not easy. Uh, the last time my birth mother tried to kill me, I was 17. But again, we didn't have resources. We didn't have, in the early 60s, you know, 70s, we didn't have any place for a kid like me to go. Wow. And we were separated from any other family members, so it wasn't like we could just tell somebody. Hmm. Well, how old were you now when you got into it? You said at five years old through family members. That's one of the most disturbing points of your story. We understand how uh, kids want to get away. They run away. They end up with the wrong people. And, and they start, whether it's getting into pornography or uh, prostitution or, or drugs, things like that. But this happened to you through the hands of your own family members. Can uh, yes. Some people have a very hard time understanding that. Okay. Let, let me try and, and make it a little easier. So when a family member is engaged in human trafficking, they, it's called familial trafficking. And a lot of times the victims of a familial trafficking situation, and a lot of times it can go on generation to generation. I've helped a lot of victims where basically, you know, each generation there was violation and abuse and trafficking of the female members. And the generation before said, well, hey, we survived it. You'll survive it too. Just basically, you know, bite your tongue and keep moving. And so it's when family members do that, though, the victim has even less chance of rescue or of being able to get out because the courts will say, well, you know, it's family, and I'm sure it was just a misunderstanding. And and uh, when I was in law school, I saw judges send kids back all the time to the abusing parent or mm. the, the predatory parent. So uh, that's why it's so insidious in families. And we need to be more aware, and we need to be willing to talk about it and open up a conversation about that part, as well as the the, the issue in general. So um, you were being trafficked for how many years total, Andy? 
17. 17 years. Uh, you know what? For, for those of us who haven't heard a lot about this issue, unfortunately, because of our selective media uh, in America and others who would like to keep this under wraps, that it seems like a miracle of God that you made it through. And um, I, I know you know God's Absolutely. hand was in that, obviously. And you started Beulah's, uh, what is it, Beulah's Hope? At Beulah's Place, my husband and I started that in 2008. Uh, I had a life change event, a massive brain injury, and so I wasn't able to work. And I thought, what am I supposed to do with my life? I, you know, at, at uh, you know, 50, whatever. <laughs> And so uh, God just opened opened up the door to create uh, something different. I had lost about a year of memory, and I had a friend, and she said, Andy, what do you really want to do? And I said, I really want to help kids that were like me. I've never really been able to uh, do that because I've been working and kind of running from my own stuff, trying to heal, and then, you know, had uh, an unfortunate first marriage to an abuser, so the divorce, and then finally just having time to get to know God experientially, so all that. And then on um, that day uh, in October of 2008, my husband and I decided we need to do something about these kids on the street uh, because there's nothing for them. People judge them by their piercings or their tattoos or the cigarettes hanging out of their mouth or the, the dirty clothes that they have. Mm. But in our area, we had nothing, no shelter, no way to help these kids. Mm. Fast forward to... We put out this website, we stepped out in faith, and uh, we created a safe house system within a, uh, the, by the second year as we were waiting for our 501c3 uh, status to come through, which it did. And so uh, we got that safe house system up, and after 13 and a half years, we rescued or assisted in rescuing 300 kids, 300 teens on the streets. And we housed 50 of them, and we helped put eight through college. Two more are graduating this year. So wow. uh, God allowed us to do some great work there. That is phenomenal. And and I just do want to slip in some other good news here. In, in this other story, we found that um, Operation Lost Souls, uh, Texas authorities rescued 70 children recently. Uh, who were yes. vic- victims of sex trafficking. Um, this is called Operation Lost Souls in April and involved U.S. Marshals, the FBI, Texas law enforcement, and authorities located missing children ages 10 to 17. Uh, are you familiar with that story, Andy? I am. I am so proud. Uh, the Texas authorities have done a great job. The marshals do a great job. Border Patrol does as best as they can. But we have to give folks that are doing good things, you know, a lot of credit, a lot of kudos, because 70 yes. kids, that's 70 generations. Yes. Wow. Um, that's a lot. And then um, we opened up this podcast today, uh, not to be provocative, but very relevant. And this is all connected, our issues at the southern border. I would love for you to speak on that in a minute in the, in a minute, in the dangers you see. But over at the Epic Times, it says cartels are exploiting the chaos at, at the southern border. And it says uh, human trafficking for sex and labor is rampant. At the border, the chaos of mass illegal immigration is giving cartels the green light to sell people for sex and labor. We rarely hear about it. It says uh, that, that what it's like to live the horrific reality of trafficking. That's what you're here to talk about, um, how you made it, how you survived, and now you're an advocate. And uh, you found it also in addition to Beulah's Place, and it's B-E-U-L-A-H-S, Beulah's Place. You also founded Voices Against Trafficking. So, Andy, your your thoughts on 
What can the average person do other than pray about what's happening at the southern border when it seems like it's an issue our government doesn't want to address? And then tell us about Voices Against Trafficking. Sure. Well, we do have everyday things that the everyday person can do to be part of the solution. Um, on the border specifically, it does apply, but uh, that is a huge situation mm. where the predators have more protection than the victims. Yep. So uh, we one, opening conversations, even at our churches. You know, a lot of churches, they have meetings for uh, you know, celebrate recovery and, 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 and youth stuff and all of that, but we're not talking about the biggest elephant in the room, you know, mm. the biggest threat to our future, which is the disappearance of our kids, the trafficking of innocent lives, all of that. Uh, and I know a lot of it is they don't know how to approach the subject, which is one of the reasons I tell my story. But uh, yeah, the border issue is way out of control. A couple of years ago, last last price tag to buy a child at the border was about $3,200. And you're right, the cartels are using those loopholes because they're not going to get caught. There's not enough border patrol that can handle that kind of influx of thousands and thousands of kids and people. Mm. And usually what a lot of people don't know is before the cartels even get the women and kids over there, the women are usually uh, raped and violated. Uh, it's called a raping tree before they even get over the border. Wait a minute. So wait, wait a minute. Explain that. I, I need you to slow down just a little bit because sure. th- that was a term that I wasn't familiar with. And I'm guessing many in our audience, raping tree and what th- what happens there? Uh, when when the women are being brought over, uh, there is, we have a counterpart in Mexico. So when women are being brought over by cartels or they've been abducted, uh, or they believe they're being taken uh, across the border for a good thing, but they're not. Most of the times, the cartels or along the way, they will be sold and or raped at what they call these trees, this area be- just before you get across the border. Wow. So they're being violated in the journey to get across the border by force. So... <laughs> Andy, this is, it's understandable that that happens because of just the, the situation that they have over there. It's, it, it is chaos down there at the southern border. What would you say to the average Christian who, not the average Christian, but some, some who say, well, we, we have to keep the borders open because we have to uh, take care of the orphan and the widow, which is, which is a biblical concept. But how would you respond to that? Well, that is a, that's a, that's a big ask, but what I'm going to say is orphans and widows, yes, but these are not the traditionally orphaned and widowed lives. These are lives that have been ripped away from families of their own Hmm. and brought to another country if they make it there to be sold for labor or sex, usually sex. And the cartels and the other people that are doing this, uh, are very well aware of our weaknesses because mm. there, there's no law at the border is basically what it is there, or not enough law at the border to handle it and so um it's just a horrible situation and some families yes the widows and orphans once the kids are here what do we do with seven thousand more children which was the first round um at the beginning of 2021 that came over and all the kids that are dropped off literally over a over a a wall and just left because maybe their parents or families think they'll have a better life in america Mm. but these kids don't speak english they don't have a way to get work so they're going to fall prey 
to either trafficking or other criminal uh, enterprises, drug running, things like that, to get paid cash to survive. If they survive at all, they're not being vetted for health. We are not compassionate. We say we want to take care of widows and orphans, but we're not giving them health care. They're not living in clean, sanitary situations. We're not allowed to have photographs, you know, by the government of where all of these kids are being held. And it taxes the local community's uh, resources to be able to do that. So my question is, how exactly is that compassionate? Thank you. Thank you so much for speaking some sanity and common sense into this very it it is a huge problem it's got a lot of different tentacles but we are speaking with andy berger human trafficking survivor of 17 years and when we come back we'll talk about she founded voices against trafficking also at least 135 teachers and teachers aides charged with child sex crimes this year alone more on stand up for the truth in just a minute your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Andy Berger is our guest today. You spell her last name B-U-E-R-G-E-R, founder of Voices Against Trafficking and Beulah's Place. She's a survivor of sex trafficking 17 years and God literally uh, saved her. Um, Andy, tell us a little bit about Voices Against Trafficking. Absolutely. Uh, That was a God nudge in the middle of the night a few years back where uh, I heard him say, more voices. You need more voices. Get Mm -hmm. more voices. And so I kind of pursued that. And what happened was uh, Voices Against Trafficking was born. We we launched in uh, November of 2019 on Capitol Hill with seven members of Congress helping us out from both sides of the fence and 200 attendees uh, as a collective effort. So imagine the hub of a wheel. Voices is the hub, and all the folks are individuals, everyday people, their businesses, their nonprofits, their other entities that retain their identity, but yet together collectively commit to be part of a bigger wheel that can go further in this fight against human trafficking. Mm. So that's the website is VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com. Uh, before yes. we uh, continue and talk about this story about the teachers and teachers' aides that are um, involved with sex crimes and a lot more that we don't hear about, because that was in the news, um, the, the uh, helplines or, or hotlines, I just want to mention a couple, National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline, um, and there's a National Child Abuse hotline. These are all separate. Of course, Suicide Prevention Hotline and the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Is there? Do you have these on one of your websites or all your websites? Absolutely. Voices Against Trafficking and Beulah's Place both have those listed. Uh, our, our second book, Voices Against Trafficking, put out. It's in that book. We want people to put them in their phones today because at the very least, be prepared if you see or suspect something happening. Mm-hmm. And for those who have been victimized or traumatized, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, all of this is a neutral way to reach out and get help if you're not sure what to do. If you suspect something, you can still call those numbers, and the people on the other end are trained to help you in your area find the help you need okay andy's website is andy a-n-d-i b-u-e-r-g-e-r andyberger.com now let's talk about your book a fragile thread of hope uh you wrote this in i believe 2019 
uh, very yeah. relevant. It shares about your story. It, it, there's so much in here that people need to learn. It, uh, it really talks about the epidemic of teen homelessness and sex trafficking, um, even in smaller towns. And thank you for emphasizing that. People think it's mainly in the big cities. So tell us a little bit about the book. And I know people can get it on Amazon and on your website. Just share a little bit about your book. Absolutely. Uh, again, it wasn't the first book I thought I would write, but God said for such a time as this, you know, get it out there. Yep, I'm yep. like, oh my gosh, really? I have to tell people my secrets. But mm. but, but it's partly about my journey. That's true. Enough to get uh, nothing graphic or gritty, but enough to get people to understand where I came from and what a victim goes through, what they feel like, whether it's abuse, trafficking, other things. The other four stories are actually four of the, the teens we rescued off the street. And a lot of people have a mistaken belief that teens are all rebellious you know that's why they're on the street or they want to do things their parents don't approve of and that's not true so these four stories one is uh, one was traffic and the other three have different reasons why they fled to the streets to be safer than what they were running from and ends up that you know obviously the streets are not as safe and what we were able to do um, by interceding by answering God's call to look mm. at them the way he does and not discount them because they'd already been discarded by people. And at the end of the day, these are the kids that desperately wanted that second chance. And mm -hmm. we were able to intercede. And it tells uh, where they, uh, the aftermath of where they are now. A Fragile Thread of Hope. Subtitle is One Survivor's Quest to Rescue. And uh, one thing you say here in the description of the book, the vast majority of homeless youth are not runaways by choice. Would you explain that, please? Sure, absolutely. Again, just like me, I did try to run twice, but I was sent back by well-intentioned, so to speak, adults, uh, and I paid a greater price. These kids have run, one, uh, one example, drug family, parents, aunts, uncles, uh, the girl just couldn't handle it. She didn't want to do drugs, so she ran. Okay, she didn't have any other family to go to because they were all addicts. Okay, mm. a dysfunctional family system. One other mother, you know, shows a boyfriend over her daughter and threw the daughter out at 15 years old and said, go find your grandmother in another state because, you know, I want to be with this guy. Mm. All right. So that's not her fault right. that she ends up having to fend for herself. I could go on with, you know, tens and tens of stories of different reasons why these kids have fled to the street. And if they're on the streets long enough, their communication skills, their fear factor, the hardness some people notice, that all uh, compounds over time. Because when you're hungry, when you're dirty, when you don't have a bank account or, you know, a place to sleep at night, it affects you tremendously. And a lot of folks don't realize that one human trafficking victim Within 48 hours, a teen will be picked up and probably introduced to a trafficking ring or a situation. One victim will be sold 20 to 25 times in one day. Wow. For sale. Wow. That's so hard to digest. It's hard to hear, but just to yeah. think about the reality of that. Um, Andy, I, I want to move on um, and talk about that story. About the, the, It was an actual news story with... Uh, teachers and teachers' aides, you know, yes. they, they are the ones that are in contact with children the most in the education system, of course. But before we do, if someone wants to bring you in for an event to speak at their school or church, uh, what's the best website? How's the best way to get a hold of you for that? 
Absolutely. They can click on the contact tab on voicesagainsttrafficking.com, voicesagainsttrafficking.com. They can reach me. And if they, they see some of the other members that we have as speakers that they're interested in, same thing. Go to voicesagainsttrafficking.com, send an email, and we'll work things out. We can do virtual. We can do in person. Sometimes it just depends. So we are open. We want to help people talk about this. So, Andy Berger, uh, one of the stories that you talk about when you do interviews like this are, well, current events, what's happening, the actual news stories that relate, whether it's the border, whether it's the public schools, whether it's the pride propaganda and how that affects young children and confuses them about sex or gets them to experiment at young, young ages. But here's one that we teased earlier. At least 135 teachers and teachers' aides were charged with child sex crimes this year alone and it says the anal- the analysis found that at least 135 teachers um, arrested in 41 states between January 1 and May 13. And of the uh, 102 cases, or 76%, actually 76% of them out of these cases, 102 of the cases, involved alleged sex crimes against students. Share your thoughts on that and how we this is covered up we rarely hear anything about it. And you know the teachers' unions will, will bend over backwards to protect not the children, but their teachers. Go ahead, Andy. Absolutely. Well, my birth mother was a teacher. She didn't hurt the kids in her classroom. She saved that for us. So here's the thing. These teachers, some of them have more than 20 allegations, more than 20. How did that go unnoticed? How is it that somebody isn't talking to somebody? You know they're being covered up, but this is just what we know because they actually got arrested. Mm. Okay, this is not all the ones that are happening. This is not all the reported ones, I'm sure. But as a teacher, you, I feel, I believe, having been a substitute teacher, you have the ultimate responsibility while that youth is in your charge to protect their well-being, to serve their best interests, and Granted, like even some of our kids had a, a crush on one of their teachers, but they never acted on it. When a teacher uh, initiates that, I believe that's a violation, hmm. not only of, of moral issues, but, but the fact that, you know, they're not there to do that. They're not there to create a sexual relationship with a, a minor aged youth. They're there to teach. They're there to do their job. And the schools need to be uh, more involved in vetting. Uh, but, uh, again, propaganda agendas keep school boards and other things uh, distracted and divided. Uh, we're not going to get into the details of this article. Why? Because some of the actual details are very disturbing. And we talk about almost yes. anything, Andy, on, on Stand Up For The Truth. We really talk about anything. I told you before we got on the air, you know, anything but profanity <laughs> is allowed on That's the right. podcast because people need to know the truth. Otherwise, we're not standing up for it. We're not trying to raise awareness. We're not trying to help people. It's just, uh, we don't want it to be just words. We want, we don't want us to put actions here. But, um, in Richmond, California, one of the cases, uh, one woman, a 35-year-old former biology teacher, was charged with 29 counts of child molestation. Um, yep. These are, and this is just within, I guess, 21, 2021 to 2022. And there's another teacher, um, James Phillips, his name is. Uh, he was charged with aggregate, aggravated sexual assault of a child. And then there's some descriptions here on what he did. He's also accused of forcibly uh, raping a student in 2009 uh, when he taught somewhere else. So um, 
Andy, what, what's the solution here? We know we're not all teachers are predators. Not all teachers are um, are sex uh, guilty of sex crimes. My parents were teachers. Exactly. My, my sister was a teacher uh, back in the day when there was still some sanity in the public schools. But how can you make sense of all this? Well, I don't know about making sense, but what I can tell you is more needs to be done. When you hire uh, somebody, especially someone that's going to work with kids of any age, up to age 18 and, and beyond, even the, the colleges, we've had a lot of national headlines about, you know, college sex scandals. But, but in this case, look at the employment background. Have they hopped from school to school? Like a preschool teacher, I believe it was Southern California a couple of years back, he had been to 12 different preschools, spent about six to nine months which was about the time it took for him to get caught, you know, molesting a four- or five-year-old. And then he would just move school to school. How did he get through 12 preschools? Wow. Okay? With, yeah, 12. Hmm. So some of these teachers have not been vetted out. Their backgrounds were not doing due diligence. And, and let's just say you're paying for your child to go to a school. Say so this is not public school. And it, why are you not asking for that as a parent, guardian, grandparent, foster parent? We have to stand up and say we want more out of this system than we've been getting because this is too many. This is too much. Mm. Our kids shouldn't have to worry about protecting their 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 sexual nature no. or or their bodies from a teacher because of that trust. Just like a doctor, you trust them because that's what we're taught to do. Trust the doctor. He or she knows best, right? And yet we know that 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 doesn't hold true. Just look at USC, yep. you know, and and the doctor in Michigan, you know, University of Michigan. Yep. So we have got to. I'm sorry to say this, not be so lazy about protecting our children. No, you, no apologies necessary. We must wake up as a society yes. and understand the indoctrination that's happened. Understand the perversion that's being spread. Understand this sexual revolution. Uh, moral relativism on steroids and what their what children are being encouraged to do. What are they being encouraged to do? Their sexual experimentation at the youngest and youngest of ages. And the, the parents really need to come to get back into the school system, back in, involved. But we've talked about that quite a bit on this podcast. Andy, we just have four minutes left. And again, I want to mention VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com. That's how you can contact Andy or her website is Andy Berger, A-N-D-I. B-U-E-R-G-E-R uh, dot com. So in these cases of uh, school teachers, you said something very important. We used to be able to trust those in authority, whether that be, uh, you know, government, whether that be school teachers. But now we've, there's just too much going on where parents are being told you should not be, uh, have any authority over the education of your children. How do you feel about that point, Andy? Well, first question is, why is any parent listening to somebody else who did not give birth and raise that child? Thank you. Uh, Yes, uh, it's our fault. It really is to some extent. We're complicit in that because we as a community are not, we're just saying, oh, okay, I guess so. No, stand up and say, that is my child. Those are my children. And you will not steal their innocence Mm. without you know, intercession, intervention from me. The parent has the right to have the conversations about sex and about, you know, all those things that we used to not talk about, you know, because we talk about that at home. You know, mm-hmm. mom or dad will t- teach you about the differences and all that stuff, you know, way back when in a different time. But now we've allowed strangers, we've allowed social agendas, mm-hmm. and we've allowed uh, impure motivations 
to infiltrate our children. And and I heard a, a headline that, you know, uh, media is saying now, well, 18-year-olds after the Texas shooting shouldn't are too immature to buy guns. But yet somehow we believe that a 5-year-old is not too is not too immature to willingly give up their innocence and identity. That's right. Okay, so that doesn't make sense. We have to catch people in their mendacity, in their lives. Yeah, their hypocrisy. Yes, children children under 10 or under 12, they they have no business making a decision on what gender they decide to be. And yet you said something very important. An 18-year-old can't buy a gun. In a lot of states, an 18-year-old can't... uh, uh, by alcohol or a 21 year old. And anyway, um, very briefly, we've got two minutes left. Yeah. Disney is going all okay. out in this child abuse agenda. Uh, they've declared war on children. Unfortunately, they didn't start off that way. Walt is likely rolling over in his grave. We know that that, that Disney's depravity and moral decline, it's been gradual, but it's been ongoing for decades. Um, they really are coming against with the pride parades, with the rainbow colored Mickey Mouse hats, with just all in for this, trying to put gay and lesbian characters and, and sexualization in their cartoons now. Uh, we've seen Target, Target stores and other stores with, what do they call it? They have a pride line. I don't remember what they call Here it is, Take Pride, hashtag Take Pride, in Target and other stores. Andy, just your thoughts on what parents can do when it comes to the saturation throughout our culture on this agenda to reach children. Well, first of all, if that's not your choice, if that's not what you believe, don't buy it. Don't follow the money. I mean, this is a big profit win as well, not just socially. It's a smaller group, but they've got a big voice, and they're getting people to do clothing and all that. I'm not sure a six-month-old wearing a onesie about gay pride or any issue really is their choice. (laughs) But but people buying that clothing, it is their choice, okay? So aunts, uncles, parents, all of you out there, Boycott the companies that you have agendas you don't agree with or you don't feel right. That's your right to do that. Um, it's unfortunate that corporations are now getting involved in what I call the grooming of our children yes. by trying to influence them at an age where they're so vulnerable, they haven't even figured out who they are yet. They haven't been given the choice to discover that naturally. And so this is what's happening. But again, the money push, uh, the power push, uh, divisiveness, like you said, from the enemy, all of that, we have to stand stronger, stand collectively like our voices, make all our voices known. And I would encourage listeners um, to to become a member with us. I mean, $50 for a lifetime membership just to help us continue putting out positive Situational awareness, uh, videos, yes. uh, all kinds of tips, hotlines, our books help us. I have a girl I'm trying to get from one end of the country who just got rescued from trafficking to the other end of the country right now, mm. uh, to her real family. Wow. And so that's what we use the dollars for. We're trying to at least change one voice, one heart, one generation at a time and continue to provide what we call free programs, which they're free to the public, but it still costs us to produce, to educate and create awareness. Andy Berger, thank you for your time today. 17 years being sex trafficked. You are a miracle of God. God, And thank you. God bless you for your voice. Well, thank you. And you can can get information about her book and about her uh, organizations over there on our website, standupforthetruth.com. Click on the blog. When we come back, did you know that some are starting to teach that men can be pregnant? Yes. And also... Why do the minority in the population have the loudest voices? Are they affecting us? We'll let you know when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. 
Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Okay, we are loaded and ready to go for this final segment and uh, fasten your seatbelts, friends. We're going to cover a lot, including that uh, transgender timeline going back to 1952. Um, but I mentioned earlier the Baptist University establishes it, its first LGBTQ student group. I uh, mentioned Catholic. It's not a Catholic university. It's Baptist. Baylor University, after 177 years. But they were founded on Christian values and is affiliated with the Baptist General Convention. Uh, being a Christian, however, is not required for admission to Baylor. That's interesting. Their undergraduate student, this is from their website. Their undergraduate student body represents about 40 different religious affiliations. What are we doing? What are we doing in, in education? If it's a Christian college, don't call your... Uh, all right, that's just for another podcast. Um, we've got to move on, though, to delusion. Pregnant men. Why did I bring that up? Can men get pregnant? Well, uh, in North Carolina, preschool teacher used LGBT flashcards depicting a pregnant man to teach kids the colors in the progressive pride flag and the rainbow in preschool. Also, oh, let's just stop right there. I want to read something from Paula Bullyard from PJ Media. She said, if our view of sin, this is to Christians now, If our view of sin disagrees with what God has proclaimed in the Bible, we're in the wrong, not God. It's pure hubris, not to mention idolatrous, to believe we know better than God who created us. The LGBTQ movement has hijacked a symbol of God's promise, which, if it's not blasphemy, comes very close to it. But the rainbow itself wasn't designed to be a symbol of freedom, love, pride, or the LGBTQ movement. No, God created this beautiful, colorful phenomenon and designated it as a sign of his covenant with Noah and his descendants forever. The rainbow was a symbol of God's promises, but also judgment way before this LGBTQ movement um, began using it. And the rainbow will continue to be that symbol that God ordained it to be after the LGBTQ movement has ended. And that will happen, friends. Maybe not in our lifetime, but it will happen depending on when Jesus returns. So let's go back to this article now. This is very important. So the homeschool group... Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> homeschool. By the way, I've got another article here about the homeschool movement booming. It says, beware the roaring lion, talking about homeschooling. You can find that over at... Answers in Genesis. But the homosexual group, GLSEN, which stands for Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, uh, we talked about this last week. It sent books to 3,600 public school libraries in 28 states. So we also talked about a story right here in Keele, Wisconsin, population 4,000, actually it's less than 4,000, where the school district filed a sexual harassment complaint against three eighth grade boys. Why? for not using the preferred pronouns of another student, wanting to identify as something that they were, in reality, not. Also, world swimming coaches may create a separate transgender category as a solution to keep men from competing against women. 
Isn't that interesting? Uh, there's many, many other headlines, but we don't have time for them. But it appears that Glisten, who has gotten to the schools and have, has been in it for decades, has been riding the coattails of the divisive race movement by pushing as many characters of color as possible. So now if you're LGBTQ and black, that's you, you can't come against that at all. You have nothing to say. You can't disagree with them. That makes it okay for these perverted books to be accepted and included in schools. And um, why? It falls under the goals of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let me quote Rain, uh, um, Linda Harvey. She said, they call it the Rainbow Library. But, of course, their version of celebrating a rainbow is not a blessing and a covenant from God, but the opposite. Defying God's word by confusing and corrupting impressionable children about gender and homosexuality. Now, friends, you know on this podcast we've been warning parents for decades. Well, not on the podcast, <laughs> in my actual writings, but on this podcast we've been for years about this movement that it will not relent. This brings up a new poll that was done by Barna. Remember in, um, let's go back to 19, the 1980s, I think there was like, it was under 1%, it was less than a half percent, I think, of, of in the entire American population who identified as LGBTQ. Um, do you know that in February, a Gallup poll, it wasn't Barna, forgive me, it was a Gallup poll that found 7% of Americans, now that doesn't make, it doesn't seem, sound like a lot to you, but look at their saturation on our market. 7%. And yet it, there's this onslaught of propaganda. 7% of Americans now identify as LGBTQ. That is a 100% increase over 2012, 10 years ago. And a 26% increase over last year in just one year. But now George Barna found that among the age group 18 years to 24 year olds, do you know how many identify or self-identified as LGBTQ in this survey according to George Barna? 18 years old to 24? Almost 40% in that age range. Did you hear me? 39%. 18 to 24 years old, identifies it as LGBTQ. Now, I know some of them are still experimenting. Some of them are still doing it for attention. Some of them are doing it because they're trying to conform conform to culture. But it's not a coincidence that a rise, rise of this identity, interesting word, right? Our identity as Christians is in Christ. But that's not what the world is teaching. You can You can create your own identity and be whatever you want. I mean, after all, Lady Gaga... Even Taylor Swift has a song about it now. It is not a coincidence that this relentless promotion, we mentioned Disney promoting LGBT characters and storylines and entertainment and Hollywood. Now the Democrat Party, we yes, we have a whole party in America that's all in for almost all things LGBTQ. What do they not approve of? That's the question we need to ask because almost anything goes. So who are the, who are the real enemies of children and enemies of America? It's not Christians. We're trying to protect them. We just had a sex trafficking survivor on this podcast, this Christian podcast. All right, I've got to move on. So we know it's happening. Um, and one of the things I often hear is, yeah, but not in my son or daughter's school, not in our small town. We've got to stop being naive, friends. Wake up. Wake up. 
um, the Bible tells us to wake up. So Joe Biden has threatened, this is a brand new headline, is threatening to pull funding for schools who do not allow boys and girls bathrooms. You can read about this. Um, I mean, Christy Noam over in South Dakota, great governor, uh, talked about it, threatening to take away children's school lunch money to pursue his radical agenda, targeting states like South Dakota and others to make it clear, biological men, these states that are trying to protect children, they're saying biological men do not belong in girls' bathrooms. Boys do not belong dressing with girls. But uh, Christy Noam, God bless her, she says, if you act on this policy, Joe Biden, we'll see you in court, and we will win. So the Biden administration is holding states and local school districts hostage by using school lunch money that goes to underprivileged youth. Where's the black community on this? Where's the inner city community? Where, where are the school's voices on this trying to, you don't want your kids to eat? You'd rather have boys be allowed to use girls' restrooms? Come on, guys. All right, next. Um, by the way, the LGBTQ strongly is uh, uh, engaged with Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter supports it. BLM now has $42 million in assets, and one of their things is is against the family. One of their goals is to take down the traditional family because they are all in LGBTQ. As Steve Smotherin always says, they cannot reproduce, so they have to recruit. They cannot reproduce, so they have to recruit. So um, the timeline, I'm running out of time, five minutes left, (laughs) as if I'm going to get through part of this. But go to my book, Redefining Truth, Five pages. This timeline takes up five pages in the book. 1952, Christine Jurgensen became a celebrity. Now, this is how the T in the LGBTQ got unleashed. 1952, uh, she was an advocate for transgender and um, the first American to have a, quote, sex change. Remember 1952, the Milton Berle show began its five-year television run. Uh, it was one of the routines on the show. He, he uh, featured... Uh, he was featured as a cross-dressing man, Milton Berle, 1954. Interesting, right? What about 1960, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho? A cross-dressing murderer, Anthony Perkins, played that split personality, identifying so strongly with his controlling mother that he became her. 1960. What about 1964, Reed Erickson? After transitioning from man to woman, uh, he created an educational foundation donating millions of dollars to the gay and transgender cause. One doctor actually said about Reed Erickson, a mutilated male pumped full of estrogen remains just that. Uh, 1966, did you know a book was published by physician Harry Benjamin? It was called The Transsexual Phenomenon, a groundbreaking book that outlined how transgender people could, quote, transition medically. Who can forget 1969? The Stonewall Inn was a gay club in New York City, and some attendees rioted because of frequent raids on gay clubs at the time. Many in the LGBT community, including transgenders, joined in several days of violent demonstrations known as the Stonewall Riots, widely considered to have sparked the LGBTQ rights, quote, rights movement. In fact, a few even consider this an event that changed the world. 1972, did you know Sweden was the first country um, to legalize gender reassignment surgery? Do you know what happened in 1973? The American Psychiatric Association caved to pressure 
from the LGBTQ activists, and the APA removed homosexuality from its lexicon of disorders uh, simply by a vote of the membership. 1975, Minneapolis became the first city to pass a law prohibiting discrimination against transgender people. 1977, Renee Richards sued the U.S. Tennis Association for the right to play professional tennis as a woman and won the case in the New York Supreme Court. 1983, the sitcom MASH aired, who was corporate clinger? Jamie Farr, a cross-dresser. Um, 1987, the American Psychiatric Association added, quote, gender identity disorder as a classification for transgender people to a revision of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Uh, We could go on. We've got a minute and a half left here. But it didn't all start with Oprah Winfrey when in 2008 presented to, to America and the world the first, quote, pregnant man. Remember Oprah did that on her show, 2008? How about uh, Caitlyn Jenner? I call him Caitlyn because he legally changed his name. He's now a spokesperson. You know how confusing this is, friends, to young people? Caitlyn Jenner now says it's unfair that men should be competing against women. Caitlyn, he won the uh, decathlon for the Olympics in 1976 as Bruce. He was on the cover of Wheaties magazine or Wheaties cereal. And now his name is Caitlin and says it's unfair that women compete against men. We've got a confused society. Only God and the the uh, salvation in Jesus Christ is the answer to this confusion, friends. Um, God bless you. Uh, we've got to go. But there's so much more to talk about. I didn't get to. I only got to a fraction. But tomorrow we've got historian Bill Federer. He'll be here on the podcast. Pastor Tim Stevens from Canada on Wednesday. Joe Schimmel of Good Fight Ministries on Thursday. Dran Reese of the Salt and Light Council on Friday. Thanks for listening. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.